Smartcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 150 of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon, and the Burden of Command is a production of the Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I can do for you, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. This is also the final episode that will be known as the Burden of Command. So it's a little bittersweet. I know we've had a lot of fun and I've had a lot of great guests answer that question. What does the phrase Burden of Command mean to you? But starting with the next episode, this will be known as the Responsible Leadership Podcast. Same basic format, same great guests. Uh, The question is going to change a little bit instead of burden of command. What does responsible leadership look like for you? So no major changes are coming up with episode 151. Just some slight cosmetic changes so we can get this show more exposure and get these great messages out there so they can make an impact in your daily life. We want the people that you lead and the people that lead you to hear these messages and become better leaders. And I can't think of a better person than today's guest to close out this phase uh, of the podcast with. And his name is Eric Allen. Eric Allen is uh, kind of the, the owner operator of Eric Allen Media. And in this episode, we talk about how our crappy childhoods don't have to lead down to a path of becoming a quote-unquote statistic. Now, it nearly did for both of us, and we share those stories uh, in this podcast. There's going to be some very interesting conversations we have. So, you know, just be warned, if you didn't have the best childhood, you may hear some things that stir up some memories. So I don't want to go as far as say, hey, trigger warning, but just know that if you went through some stuff in your childhood, that you might hear us discussing things that trigger some of those memories in you. But here's the great thing. You know, these are stories of redemption. We've both taken those experiences and made something out of it. And for both of us, it was really uh, lucky enough to find the love and support of uh, great women in our lives. Now, Eric has taken his love of MMA, his voice, and his beard and it is a glorious beard, and turned them into a great brand and one of the best entrepreneurship-related podcasts in the Eric Allen Show and one of the best MMA-related podcasts in top-rated MMA. And I highly suggest that you subscribe to both of those shows. Eric is on a mission to share his story with anybody who may be experiencing rough times in their lives so they know that there is a path from where they are now to a happy, healthy, successful life. So, without further ado, 
let me go ahead and let that stinger play and let you get into this outstanding interview with Eric Allen. All right. Well, Eric, welcome to the Burden of Command podcast. Oh, thank you so much for uh, help having me here, man. It's a, truly an honor. Really appreciate oh, it. Hey, no, man, I really love it. And, and uh, you know, for my listeners, because they kind of know a little bit about how I usually get uh, guests and uh, you know, at the end of each show, I say, hey, if you got a guest idea, you know, send me something at burden.command at gmail.com. And I'll throw stuff out there on social media every once in a while, like, hey, if you'd be interested in being a guest. Well, Eric's one of those people. Uh, he reached out to me through a Facebook post and you know, said, hey, man, I'd like to come on your show. And we hooked up. And so here we are. Uh, so this is one of the first guests where I don't have a book to work off of or a one sheet to work off of or anything like that. So listeners, we're just going to have a great conversation here. That's that's kind of the goal of the podcast. Sound about right, Eric? Sounds great. Good. Absolutely. Well, let's get this podcast uh, conversation started where I start off all of my guests. When you hear the phrase burden of command, what does that mean to you? You know, it, it's an interesting phrase. When you said that over, I think uh, as commanders or as leaders and family or in business, we do have this burden to make sure that everybody is successful, uh, make sure that everybody is safe. But at the same time, for me, I see it as an honor to be that leader of my family, to, to see an e, uh, uh, you know be that leader and provider for my family. And so, you know, I think that burden of command is as men, we want to be pro- providers and we want to keep our family safe and things like that. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a burden, but man, it's it's an honor to be in that same role too. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, that that hit on all cylinders with me, and especially you know talk about that that family piece, and uh, you know I think that's maybe a good spot to really really get into this. Here is, uh, you know, you've got a very interesting story, and it's kind of interesting how our stories actually kind of intersect a little bit. Um, but I, I'd like to have you, if you don't mind, uh, share your story with folks, and then we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in what I thought was a typical household. You know, I uh, went to Sunday school, played little league. You know, my my best friend Dave and I would get tossed into garbage cans behind big stores by my dad on the weekends to go find treasure. You know, that was just like the fun, typical Saturday mornings. And my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I had never heard that word before, didn't know anybody that had gotten a divorce. And so it was kind of a new, almost a shock to my system at that time. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, times my my mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive almost immediately, and I didn't understand why she continued to stay with him. You know, I remember there was times where I'd be outside, they'd be arguing, I'd be looking through their bedroom window, and I'd see him hit her with a cordless phone when those were around. You know, mm. and I never understood why she never pressed charges or, you know, got rid of them or anything like that. And then, of course, they did the smart thing; she got pregnant. And then they decided to move us to small town, Montana. So I grew up in Eastern Washington state. Uh, they, we moved to Stevensville, Montana, which was population 1200 uh, people at the time. So I moved up there for my eighth grade year, half of that. And then my full freshman year of high school. And they rented this house on five acres. And that the property was amazing. It had two ponds right by the Bitterroot river, you know, just really beautiful spot. And this house had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my brother, who's just a couple months old. And then one for my sister, who's four years younger than me, they said, Eric, you get to live in the garage. I literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that would pull in. And luckily I did have this fireplace on my half of the garage that would keep me semi-warm during those winters of Montana. So it was kind of an interesting, you know, living situation, I would say at that point. And, you know, the abuse continued. We were further away from police, so it took them longer to get there. And one night when I was 13 years old, I was brushing my teeth and really felt you know, like as they came home arguing that it wasn't anything different, but I felt in my heart in that moment, there's like, 
you know, God was telling me, dude, you got to turn around. You got to check this out. Cause it was, it was scary at that point. You know, I looked behind and the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry, to the garage where I stayed. And as I turned around that corner, I saw him on top of my mom and it was just one punch after the other, just boom, 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 you know, shot after shot to her face. And Mm. so I snuck up behind him and I grabbed a cast iron pan and I swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open and he turned around and he said, what then is he said that I took another swing and split his forehead open. And I hit him so hard the second time, I'd actually fallen over. It didn't knock him out. He was so drunk. But I remember him standing up over me and he was beginning to yell, you know, and screaming. And then my mom jumps up and she punches him like six times in a row and blood splatting on the wall. You know, the cops finally show up, take him to jail for the night. My mom doesn't press charges. And then I got kicked out of the house. So I had three months left of my freshman year of high school and uh, went to live with my my buddy. His name was Forrest. I lived on his floor uh, in his bedroom with his dad at their house that was in walking distance or within walking distance of the school that I went to. And that's where I finished up school. And then after that, I moved back to Washington to live with my dad. And it really set me on a, a path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. Mm. Yeah. No, when I heard you share that story on, on one of the other shows there, like I said, it really resonated with me because, you know, mine wasn't quite uh, as, as uh, that bad, but uh, you know, my parents split when I was super young, um, and uh, like we're talking just a few months. Wow. And my mom started making uh, a series of bad choices, um, and I was in, I ended up being raised by my grandparents. Um, and you know, my grandfather was a World War II vet, Army guy, and you know, he raised me, uh, you know, kind of in that that kind of 1950s vibe, if you will, you know, respect, courtesy, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, the whole nine yards. And the big thing was you never hit a woman. And right. so fast forward until, uh, you know, I got, I want to say I was maybe about uh, 11 years old, 10, 11 years old. And kind of like you, my mom got hooked up with the wrong guy, uh, got pregnant, um, happened to be over visiting one weekend and saw him, you know, basically uh, abusing my mom. And he got pissed off and uh, he threw a, uh, I still remember it was, uh, it was, he had just poured a cup of coffee, a uh, cup of coffee out of the pot and he throws the, the cup down and hot water, hot coffee splashes all over the place. Shards fly, uh, oh he catches my little brother. He's sitting in the high chair, catches him on the cheek, cuts his cheek. And then he hauls off and puts his hand through the wall, like right next to my mom's head and says, next time it's going to be you. And he so left scary. and, ah, oh, no, man. And, and, but he left and my mom took my little brother into the bedroom. And I remember because we had a wood burning stove, there was a little axe sitting there. And I remember standing behind the door, holding the axe, waiting for him to walk back through. Hmm. And why he didn't, what kept him from walking through, I don't know. But I stood there for probably a good hour and a half. And I was just, I was ready. I was cocked and ready to swing. Yeah. But he never wow. walked through that door. And I finally let go, talked to my mom. Got a hold of my grandfather. He came and got me. And that was the last time I spent any time with that dude. But I was that close, man. That close. Man, you know, and and one of the quotes that Ed Milet has said and and told me when I talked to him on the phone uh, that really hit home for me was, you know, life happens for us, not to us. And it's almost in that moment when, you know, you were behind that door. Had he walked in, your life might have been way different, right? And then yep. he didn't, but uh, you know, you were able to get out of that situation. And as scary and as, as much as it sucked, right? Like life happens for us, not to us. Yeah, 100%. And that was, you know, I, I go back, that was what got me on the path to, 
to to join in the Marines and like you said, being being the guy I am uh, today because I didn't want to be that helpless and that powerless again. And especially yeah. didn't want to be able to not do anything when I saw something like that happening to somebody else. Right. And, and thank so, you for your service. I appreciate it. Oh, brother, it's my pleasure. Hundred percent. Loved every second of it. Uh, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about Washington a little bit. So you moved to Seattle, and I, so uh, I moved back to Eastern Washington first with my dad, which is about three hours out of Seattle. Okay. And uh, yeah, so he he rented a house for him and I. And it was close enough to the high school where I could just jump on a public bus and then get to school. And so he gave, bought me a bus pass and he put 20 bucks in the cup. And that was my lunch money for the for the week. You know, he'd fill the freezer up with Hunger Man meals and make sure there was food in the house. And, you know, then we'd see each other in passing. I, I Maybe a couple of times a month, uh, you know, he would go stay with his girlfriend. So it was kind of an interesting, you know, living situation again, because I didn't have any adult supervision. I didn't have any accountability. All I had to do was go to school. And, and so that was my only requirement to live there was to go to school. And so I barely passed that. I was, you know, smoking pot before school. I was smoking pot after school, you know, during lunch and really just getting involved in drugs at pretty, pretty early age. So I was taking acid, I was taking mushrooms and, you know, acid was five bucks at the time where I could go to the store and buy a bottle of Robitussin DM with the morphine in it for two fifty. So sometimes we even went and did that, you know, and it was just crazy. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, yeah. man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I survived. And then when I was 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington. But at the time it was not. Right. And so I had to go to jail. I had a black and white chain gang outfit on. I had bright orange slippers. And luckily I only had to stay one night. You would think it would have scared me to death. I ended up uh, with a year probation. So they could have tested me at any point for drugs. Uh, they never did, but it scared me enough not to do drugs for a year. But what it did was enhance my drinking. So I started drinking pretty heavily. And then two weeks after I graduated high school, I woke up to a post note on the bathroom mirror that says, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. Mm. And so at that point I was like, okay, it's time to man up and figure out how we do this life thing. And, and so I, I moved in with an aunt and uncle and I moved in with, you know, some friends and, you know, all over the place. And so between the ages of 18 and 21, I'd actually moved 21 places, uh, including a move to Seattle with a hundred dollars in my pocket, you know, wow. and sleeping on floors and for two nights here, five nights there, a couple weeks here and things like that. And really was able to get back on my feet, but I was living off of credit cards during that whole time. You know, and I couldn't keep a job for very long, few months at this job, few months there. And so by the time I'm 21, I'm $28,000 in debt and I had to file bankruptcy. I had no other choice. I, I wasn't making any money. I had to pay my rent and, you know, I had this nice car that the, the insurance cost like $450 a month just because I was living in Seattle. It was a nice car and I was 21 years old. You know, it's just like the trifecta of bad stuff that could happen to you, you know? <laughs> right. And uh, so, yeah, I had to file bankruptcy. I had to watch that car get towed away from my house and, and ended up moving into a really ghetto apartment that was across the street from where Jimi Hendrix was buried there in Renton, Washington. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was living that lifestyle for a while. I ended up with a job in the music business. So I worked for Universal Records for a year. And then I had a buddy who managed an outdoor venue the year prior to that. So I had this two-year span where I was going to two to three concerts a week. I probably went to about 175 concerts over two years and never went and spent a penny on alcohol. I just had open tab at every single one of those shows. So I was really getting into that rock star lifestyle without being a rock star, you know, uh, I don't know how to play anything. I was just doing the sales and marketing stuff. And, 
uh, my one year anniversary ended uh, with Napster coming into play and, and Napster killed the music industry. I got laid off my one year anniversary and it really kind of put me into a heavier depression at that point where, you know, I was working at Starbucks at night and I'd get off work. I'd go get a six pack of beer and go rent a, a movie and then go to my ghetto apartment and drink myself to sleep every night. Until, wow. uh, you know, one night uh, I was working and this girl had walked in and said, hey, we've got this cool college age event down in our church. Would you be interested in going? And, you know, I didn't have any friends. I was depressed. I was alone. And, and uh, you know, I thought, hey, this might be an opportunity for me to, to get a new friend. And so I said, absolutely. So I went to this church event, really having no idea what I was getting myself into. And it, and what I did was I ended up just going there and just helping clean up and tear down the, the stuff. And about a month later, it was Easter 2004. We were out. I was managing a band and we, we played a concert. We woke up Easter morning or I woke up Easter morning. About five o'clock in the morning, my buddy's basement surrounded by probably 15 other guys. And it was in that moment where I just had this magical moment, I feel like, where God was really speaking to me. And he said, man, you're going down this path that's going to end your life very quickly if you don't start making some serious changes in your life. So I decided in that moment, I gave my life to Christ in my buddy's basement. I like gave up everything, cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And I called that girl up and I got her voicemail and I said, hey, thanks for inviting me to that church event. Maybe I'll see you at the store sometime. And, you know, a month later we were dating and a year later we were married. We've been married for almost 17 years now. And it's been an awesome journey. We were both born at exactly 1.41 p.m. on our birth certificates. Uh, different days, different years, but the exact <laughs> nice. same minute. So, man, that's uh, that's my story, dude. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, that's great. So, I mean, you know... Uh, some of my younger listeners here are probably like, what the heck is Napster? Right, uh, you totally. Know, <laughs> they don't remember the glory days of, yeah, you know, spending totally. an hour to download one song, right? Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's a great story. I mean, it really is. And, and uh, you you got to, to meet and run into some interesting folks when you were in Seattle doing the music thing, though, right? I did. I mean, I, I got to hang out with some, some really cool bands. I met some really cool people, you know, and saw some, some of the rock star, like, uh, you know, life where they were being the snotty rock star life too, you know? So Alien Ant Farm, one of those guys, they just were like, I, oh, yeah. those guys probably not the coolest people to hang out with. Uh, but I had met Beck, probably one of the coolest guys that I ever met uh, being in the music business. So yeah, I mean, it was fun to, to go to concerts and, you know, spend some time backstage. The lead singer for Something Corporate, uh, Andrew, I forget his last name, McCallahan or something like that. He's probably one of the, the coolest dudes that I hung out with, uh, just drinking a couple beers. And, you know, we talked about tattoos and piercings and all that fun stuff and, you know, backstage. So it was just fun, man. Oh yeah, no, I and, and I love what you said there, right? About about you know, kind of the different levels there. So again, I grew up in Northeast Tennessee, so our rock stars was NASCAR drivers. Sure. Well, I grew up a, a big Dale Earnhardt uh, fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember getting a chance to actually meet him one time, and like I was, I was all in on Intimidator lifestyle, right? It was just <laughs> the Tennessee thing to do at the time. Yeah. And somebody says, "Yeah, you're gonna be, you know, you'd ever want to meet your heroes." He's a big jerk, right? Huh. I was like, oh, man. But I'm standing in line, and I'm watching this guy, right? And, and when somebody came up to him that was a true fan, he was as cool as could be. When somebody came up to him that just had a bunch of stuff that they wanted to sign so they could you know, turn around and sell it, he was cold. Uh-huh. And it was when it hit me. It's like, you know what? These people are people too, right? They, they yep. want to be... They want to be treated with you know respect, dignity, those types of things. And when you're taking advantage of them, they don't like it either. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah. so yeah. And, and I love the story about your wife. Cause I mean, again, you talk about destiny, right. And, yeah. and, and life happening to us again, very similar kind of story with uh, my wife and I, I was in Okinawa at the time. 
Uh, <laughs> MTV chat was a thing. So we're right into the Napster area. Yeah. And um, I bought my first computer off of a Marine that was leaving uh, Henmec Stateside. Uh, four gigabyte hard drive and 128 megs of RAM. More computer than you'll ever need. Right. Right. That was. <laughs> And he sets me up. I was like, you know, hey, I want to You'll be able to chat with folks back home. And he played his trick on me again. I'm wholesome Southern boy, Southern Baptist type. And he sets me up with a screen name, Cybersteed. Okay. And I had no clue what that meant, but I thought it sounded cool. Yeah. As so I went with it and my wife happened to be in there and she saw the name and she, she called me out on it and she started ripping into me. I'm like, what? Why? What's going yeah. on? And she explained it to me. And then that just started us talking and. Yeah, and uh, so we just celebrated 22 and a half years. Come on, man. That yeah. is amazing, dude. That is <laughs> yeah. awesome, man. So, yeah, it's good stuff, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so so far, you know, you've had some decent things going on. You've had yeah. some some issues that have r- risen up, and then you talk about finding Christ and, and kind of changing your life. So, so how did that look? Like, what did you get into? Uh, how did you get your life back on track coming off of addiction, coming off of, you know, all the things we talked about? How did you get your life back on track just because of that? Yeah, you know, it was interesting because at that point I had to take a, a, a really stand in my life and say, okay, where do I want to go? You know, I knew that if I continued to go down that path, continue to manage bands, continue to hang out bars, then my life was going to continue to be the same. And so what I did was I really took this break. I called my buddies up, said, hey, man, I got to get healthy. I got to get take away, you know, get away from the stuff for a while. And and I took like six months where I wasn't hanging around with anybody that I was in my previous life. life I wasn't going to concerts. I wasn't going to bars. And what I did was I replaced that with men that I met within the church that were living the lives that I wanted to live. So they were successful in their marriage. They were successful in their business. They were successful as entrepreneurs, successful in their walk with Christ. And I just took them out to coffee and I said, man, tell me your story. How did you get to where you're at? What are you doing to sustain this life that you've got going on? And for me, it was like I was interviewing them without realizing that I was interviewing them, right? I was genuinely just interested in their life and how they got to where they're at. And so I had to surround myself with people that were living the life that I wanted to live. I had to get uncomfortable and put myself in a position where I was asking somebody that probably didn't even know who I was. I was new to the church. You know, hey, can I take you out to coffee? Take some time away from your family? Like, can you do that for me? And so that opened up a lot of doors. I started reading books like crazy and and putting myself in positions where I could network and meet new people. You know, and so my wife and I, we spent the first five years, just her and I. Like we didn't have kids. We we both came from kind of crazy households as kids. So we knew what we didn't want in marriage, but we also brought some junk with us. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately I had, I had to go to counseling about a couple of years in because I didn't know why I was angry. I didn't understand why I was frustrated with life and couldn't get to this happy place, you know? And so uh, I ended up going to counseling for a little bit and that really helped a lot. And then, you know, we had kids when we were about five years into marriage and, you know, my kids are 11 and eight now and it's been, it's been fun, but I've been sober since and it's been a fun journey with my wife and I, we've made a, you know, state move out to Idaho where we're at now, which we love. And, and, uh, it's, it's fun to be out here, man. And, and really our passion, my wife and I is really to break those chains of addiction, rejection and abuse that came from our childhoods. And we're never going to let our kids experience that. They'll never experience the divorce uh, word in this family. 
you know, they've seen us argue, they've seen us have good years, they've seen us have not so good years, right? You know, but they see us make up, they see us dancing in the kitchen, they see us, you know, kissing in the kitchen and, and things like that. But they know that we have this, such a strong hold and such a strong desire to change the legacy of the Allen tribe moving forward that we'll never get divorced. And we're always going to push that on them and, and just to let them know, like, hey, you guys are safe. You don't have to worry about us ever getting a divorce. Oh, man. No, and I love that. You know, we, we don't have kids, my wife and I, and, and a lot of the same reasons. Her uh, her childhood wasn't the best. Mine wasn't the best. So we, we kind of made a conscious decision the other way, right? It's like, yeah, yeah we just we just didn't want it. Yep. Uh, yep. But, you know, the thing is, what I love there that you, you said was, you know, we'll be out with folks and, and all that. And I'm like, man, you guys, like, you're just like the perfect couple. You never fight. No, no. We fight, <laughs> yeah, we fight yeah, yeah. hard, right? Totally. And, and it's like you said, it's it's being able to to come back and and make up and and I think, you know, I think those those arguments actually make it stronger, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people. I live kind of in suburbia here, and I, I hate every second of it. But it's like <laughs> they try to be so perfect, but it's just not that. That's not life, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So these these interviews that you were doing so mm-hmm. you know with with eric allen media and the podcast that you do uh was that kind of what got you down that path like you were started interviewing these folks and said hey you know this is something i'm good at you know i never even thought about that it was it, it was funny because when we started top rated mma it was just an apparel company in 2012 my wife came up with the name we said hey let's be american made apparel so we did 100 percent american made there's probably maybe one other mma apparel company that was american made and we took off really fast and we dropped really fast. Uh, you know, and, and so like I, we spent probably, I think we started the company with $5,000. We bought a bunch of apparel and inventory that we didn't sell. You know, we sold some, mm. never made our money back. And, and then 2015, I was really bored with the company. I actually like put an ad in Craigslist and said, who wants to buy these followers? Who wants to buy the brand name and everything? I'll sell it all to you. The equipment that I, you know, I, I tried to get a screen print and didn't ever get to use it because I didn't have the space for it. But so I was going to sell the whole business. And then one guy called me up, offered me a few grand. I decided not to sell and then just kind of tried to figure out over the next year what I was going to do with this business. I wasn't ready to give up yet. And so then I decided to decided to talk with the MMA fighters. I wanted to ask them, like, why do you want to get punched in the face? You know, I, I, and this was my first intro in, in um, adventure into podcasting. I was in a walk-in closet for almost 100 episodes and had bad camera, bad lighting, bad microphone, didn't even look in the camera, you know, when I was supposed to <laughs> supposed to be, had no idea. In fact, I didn't even know what Apple or Spotify was. I was just recording and uploading to YouTube and Facebook. And then someone's like, well, what's your Apple podcast? And I was like, what the heck is that? Right. You know, and then I was like, oh, like after my 100th episode, I started going, maybe I should start doing the audio version only. And so that's really why I, I got into that was I wanted to ask those fighters that question. And I talk with up and coming MMA fighters from around the world. And some of them are, are pro fighters. Some of them are w- more established than others. I've had Ken Shamrock on a couple of times and oh, Chris yeah. Lieben from the UFC and some, you know, current uh, ultimate fighter finale guys on the show. And so it's been fun to see this journey of fighters. But in 2018, I came across a guy named Ed Milet online. And I was like hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is speaking directly to me. His business, his heart, his passion, it's mine. That's that's exactly what I think and how I think. And so 
I started just uh, absorb like sponging every show of his that I could find. And I decided to start another podcast called the, it originally started as the Bearded Biz Show. Um, if you haven't seen my picture yet, I, I have a good sized beard and people like to point that out. So <laughs> um, it started out as the Bearded Biz Show and I did probably, I don't know, maybe 60 or 70 episodes under the under that name. And then my wife being the smart one said, hey, it sounds like it's like a beard podcast. And people would ask me about that sometimes. So I decided to change the name to the Eric Allen Show. And so um, that's what it's been. It's now the Eric Allen Show. And I'm about 125 episodes in or so. And it's been blessed. I've been blessed to speak with guys like Ed Milet and Tim Story and Brad Lee and Bedris Cooley and Jim the Rookie Morris, Dan Caldwell, the founder of Tap Out, and and so many others. And and so we're continuing to do that. That show drops every single Friday, and then my Top Rated May show drops every single Saturday. And so, you know, for me, it's about continuing to do that the content, put out content. So combined between my two shows, I've done just a little over three hundred and fifty episodes now. That's that's awesome. Yeah. No, you mentioned uh, Ken, the most dangerous man in the world, Shamrock. Totally. And, yeah. and that that took me back again. Cause I remember when when I remember UFC one with Hoist Gracie, like just dominating everybody. So and, good. And, oh, yeah. And, and you know, uh, and, and I got out of it. I watch every once in a while. I'm not a big MMA guy, but when there's something on ESPN plus has some stuff, I'll, I'll stream. Yeah. But I mean, those were some great personalities back then. Um, yeah. Oh, what was uh, what was the big Hawaiian that came up with the cross? Like chemo? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those guys back in the day were were crazy brutal, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was it's it's changed so much. I mean, yep. uh, yeah. So, but so now, have you ever done MMA, or is it just something you've you've watched? always been a big fan. So um, I did a little bit of karate, a little bit of boxing, never competed or anything like that. It never didn't spend much time with it. Um, But, you know, when I was a kid, I remember my dad would always get pay-per-views. So he would, you know, get Mike Tyson and uh, all boxing pay-per-views that we could find as a kid. And he would rent ninja movies that spoke no English. You know, we would just go and watch these ninja movies happening. And, you know, I didn't understand what what was being said, but it was cool to watch. And then, like, my dad introduced me to Bruce Lee at a really young age. So I've always been a fan of martial arts and combat sports and things like that. And you know, I think I was a ninja for like 15 years straight, you know, so it was just like for, for Halloween, you know, so it was just like, um, it, it just always was a part of me. And I remember even like you said, UFC one, and you know, me and my cousin in small town Prosser, Washington would walk down to the store and we would go and, and rent UFC one and two at the VHS store, you know, yep. like, you know, and, and we would watch it as kids. So always was a big fan, never done it myself. Um, my dad would take me to wrestling events. So as a kid, I got to watch WWF when it was called WWF. So, you know, yeah. I saw Jake the Snake and, you know, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior and, you know, Ravishing Rick Rude and all those guys, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. And so I've no. always been a fan. And now it's fun because my son is eight. And I started to show him just in the last couple of months, like the Royal Rumbles back in the day with Hogan and, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and British Bulldog. And my son's like, oh, my gosh, where's Hogan at? You know, like he's getting into it. So it's fun oh, yeah. to like show him that now. No, I love that. No, you, you, again, uh, that, that was exactly it. Uh, the intersection, again, is crazy because uh, I, I'm going to nerd myself out a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember the series uh, American Ninja uh, with Michael Dudikoff. They made like three or four of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw that movie, and I don't even remember. We were at a daggone uh, flea market, and some dude had... 
I don't know why, but had a ninja costume for sale. I'm talking about like a legit, like split toe shoes, the whole night. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and me being the clueless nerd that I was, there was no reason I was, or no wonder I was picked on in school. I wore that thing to, to school. Like, like it was just like something people wore, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, awesome. the WWF. Yeah, man. No, my guy was, uh, I, I like people with face paint. So Sting yeah. and Sting. Ultimate Warrior, those were my two favorite yeah. uh, folks. I mean, obviously everybody loved Hulk Hogan back in the day. Sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that that's the one. So I live now outside of Indianapolis. And uh, when uh, Ultimate Warrior passed away, he was uh, from Crawfordsville, Indiana, which is just up the road. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, they did a lot of stuff around here kind of talking about it. And yeah. uh, Netflix put out like the best fights and the the big one with him and Hulk Hogan that like lasted forever. Right. Uh, and and it, it, watching it today, I realized how corny it was. That I just didn't pick up on back then. Right. Because if you remember, the Ultimate Warrior had that thing where like when he was almost beat, he would grab the ropes and start shaking it and like yeah, freak totally. out. <laughs> And then Hulk Hogan would do the thing where he would almost get beat and he would like drop his hand and he would like stop it and he would pick it up and do the finger wave. Yeah, totally. I didn't catch it at the time watching it live, right? But they did that. Each one of them did it like four times. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. wait a minute here. <laughs> did, yeah. Was I really this gullible as a kid? And the answer was yes. <laughs> oh, I totally was. I, I was like, this is not fake. This is real, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, like, uh, so you remember Shawn Michaels? Yes. Uh, yeah the heartbreak kid, he, he explained it best, right? He goes, uh, he said in an interview, he goes, you know, people always wonder is wrestling fake. He goes, look, he goes, are we acting? Are we embellishing? Absolutely. He goes, but you tell me how it's fake to jump off of a a, a top rope and land on concrete. How do you fake that? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got me. So yeah, you act a little bit, but it's still physical. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people try to take away from it when they say it's just acting. Yep. Oh yeah. And so a funny part of my story, I actually lived with a guy named Mr. Sexy for two years. He was a regional wrestler out in Washington. <laughs> nice. And at one point they put the ring in our backyard for training. And so there was like a Royal Rumble happening in my backyard, like every night for four days, uh, oh. they were out there practicing. And then the neighbors said the ring was too loud when they would hit it. So they called the place and they had, they made them take it down. But I lived with Mr. Sexy for two years. And so got to see that up hand up close, all of the, the wrestling techniques and everything. It was fun. Oh, that, that's awesome. No, that is awesome. Uh, the the closest I came to meeting any wrestler was uh, I was at a Toys R Us in Johnson City, Tennessee. And uh, you remember Rick and Scott Steiner? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Rick was there. They were getting ready to do something at a, at a children's hospital, and he was there buying toys. And I walked around the corner, and I saw Rick Steiner standing there, and I, I was doing the, uh, you know, like looking up at him <laughs> thing, and he just looks down at me and pats me on the head and my grandfather comes around the corner he's like who's that guy and i was like spent the the whole ride home telling him who rick steiner was and he regretted yeah. asking that question oh that's uh, awesome you know but you know and so listeners are like okay these guys have totally lost it here now they've kind of went down a bunch of rabbit <laughs> totally <holes>. reminiscing <laughs> of some old wrestling days <laughs> you know, but, but the thing about it is that it's kind of bringing it back right it's like you said life life the way life works it was yeah. all of these things that kind of really came together and got you where you are right now with, with Eric Allen Media, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so all of that has, has helped me get to where I'm at today. And so now, you know, I do I do podcasting, right? And, and I'm, I still work a full-time job. I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week. And so I know that if I, I have to, 
if I want to improve on myself, personal development and get work on like my podcast editing, that's why I wake up at 4am because I can get up, I can work on that stuff before I start my real job at eight o'clock. And for me, it's all about stacking those wins, you know? So if I open my eyes, there's win number one. Yeah. And then I jump out of bed and I make my bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds. There's two wins. It's going to be an awesome day. You know, and then for me, I come up and I look at, I have a vision wall in my office. So it's got quotes. It's got my family. It's got posters of, you know, pictures of the property that I want. It's my, my goals, my affirmations. And I read that out loud, you know, in my office every morning. And then I sit down and I have worship music playing and I spend time in prayer. And really that time of prayer is just being thankful for everything that I've got and health and, you know, protection and blessings and things like that. And then it's go time, you know, and part of the, the, the way that you can set your day to get that win as well is the night before you go to bed. And this is what I learned from Craig Ballantyne. He wrote the book, Perfect Day Formula, is you write on a post-it or a page or a paper or something like that, what you have to do uh, the next morning before you leave the office at the end of the day. So to me, or for me, at the end of the day today, I'm going to have a post-it of my to-do list for the things that I have to do first thing tomorrow morning. So then I get up to the office, I already know exactly what I have to do. And what that does, that does, that keeps me away from jumping on Facebook, keeps me away from jumping on social media and getting distracted with what I really need to do. My goals are on that to-do list. That's exactly what I have to hit. And so that's really my, my passion. And Eric Allen Media is part of that. And so I do podcasting, I do voiceover work, I do content creation. So brands will send me their products and I'll do, you know, how-to videos or, you know, uh, box openings, things like that. So I love being uh, involved in that media side of stuff. And, you know, people are like, well, why do you get up at 4 a.m.? And, and here's the, the number one answer that I, I, that I said is it's just my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep, period. Yeah. And if I can get up at 4 a.m., and then get that stuff done and work my full-time job. And then five o'clock, boom, it's time to shut everything down. And I don't have to interrupt my family time at five o'clock. Then that's, that's the goal. I'll, I'll like sacrifice my sleep knowing that I don't have to sacrifice that time with my family. Yeah, no, I love it. I love that answer. My mind is, I tell people, cause I get up at four as well. Nice. And, uh, you know, I, I, people ask me, they're like, why? Like, yeah. That's where I keep all my free time. Yes. <laughs> That's yep. what I tell her. That's where I keep all my free time. Cause you're right. I mean, if I waited and got up to at seven, eight o'clock, like most people or whatever, yeah, I'd get to work. I'd get to do all that, but I wouldn't have that three or four hours to do the, the stuff to move the day forward. And, uh, you know, I know, uh, Jocko Willink is big with the 445 club and all that. Yep. And, and it's really helped that movement take off. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, folks, that's so important is getting that routine and, and setting yourself up for success. No, don't, yeah. Yes, success can happen to you, but success is a lot easier when you happen to it. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I have on my wall is success finds those too productive to look for it. You know, yeah. so if, if you're just staying busy and being productive with, with fighting for your goals on a daily basis, success is just going to come. It's it, There's no question about it. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. So um, you mentioned voiceover work. What have you done voiceover work-wise? Yeah, so I started doing that earlier this year. Uh, so I, I do, when sponsors sponsor my podcast, they will typically have a 30 or 60 second slot depending on the, the plan that they choose. And they'll want a commercial. Uh, basically, they send me the script. I read into the microphone and or, you know, I'll, I'll turn on the video and I'll do that. 
So I do voiceover for that. I've also done some audio narration where people have sent me scripts and, and said, hey, can you record this for my YouTube channel? Or, hey, can you record this for my insurance commercial? So uh, there's some commercials out there with my voice on it. There's also some brands out there that will send me a product and say, hey, can you just audibly say what this is or how to say this? That way we can play it on the, you know, on our website. And so I'll do that a lot of times. And I love it. I love being part of that. I love getting free product, which is always good, you know? So um, I'm on Fiverr, I'm on Upwork. And so people will come across my profile and say, hey, can I send you my product? And you can do a, you know, a 30 second or a one minute video or two minute video. And yep, absolutely. I'll do that and get that out to you. And, you know, I'm 23 plus five star ratings on there. And so, you know, I continue to love, I love taking care of my, my customers, my clients and that. No, I love it. And, and the reason I wanted to, you know, wanted you to kind of talk about that a little bit more is, you know, that's kind of that power of the brand. Like, again, you know, I, I'm uh, audio only here, so people don't get to see it. But when I, I do my uh, the art for the show, there'll be a picture of your big, beautiful beard nice. uh, on there. <laughs> and, and, and you know, that's it, right? Is is that's that's the power of having a, a brand is being able to do all of those things that kind of fit together, yep. but but work together and kind of snowball each other. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and I've met so many amazing people from not only podcasting, but from the voiceover side and content creation side and continue those relationships. And it's just been fun. And, you know, this year has, has been an interesting year for me because I am releasing two shows a week, but I also set a goal to be a guest on 100 podcasts in 2021. And uh, this is actually uh, my 95th interview this year. Nice. Nice. That's that's my next step. I'm, I'm getting into that. That's kind of where I'm setting my goal for next year. I don't know. If I'm be as aggressive as a hundred, but heck, why not? You set the bar. There you go, folks. That's going to be my goal for 22 is to be on a hundred uh, podcasts like, like Eric here. Come on. Uh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is. I, I put it out there, but, um, and you've got some big hitters that have been on, like we talked about Ken Shamrock and all that, but if I, uh, read right, I don't think it's out yet, but you mentioned, uh, Andy Frisella is coming on. So I, I've been in contact with this team. We haven't been able to. We had we did lock in two times, and then he had to reschedule. So we're we're still trying to nail down a date. But yeah, he is in my queue uh, to have on the show here. So very very soon, hopefully. Um, but we're trying to nail down a date. But yeah, we've been going back and forth on trying to to get something that's going to line up with his cra- crazy busy schedule. We've had him scheduled twice, and then unfortunately he had to reschedule the last minute. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. He he's a good one. He's he's one that uh, I'm going to try to get on on here at some point in time as well. But like you said, nice. uh, yeah, I, I love his show. I know it turns off like his his language turns off a lot of people. Sure. But you know, if you can filter that out, he's got a lot of outstanding content on on that podcast. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Guys like him and Bradley and you know um, Ed Milet, those those three are really big for me, you know, in my, my guest wish list, you know, like Les Brown, Tony Robbins, those guys I love listening to, you know, I'm a big fan of Jim Rohn when he was around, his content is so amazing. And even for back in that day, like his stuff was so good. And I love to listen to his, his, his speeches and and I could just listen to him all day. Like he's so good. Yeah, no, I love it. But that feeds back into, you know, kind of what we were talking about before, like as you started, uh, you know, kind of getting sober and getting your life back on track and those sorts of things, you know, th- this is, and this is my experience. Tell me if, it, if you shared as well, but it's, it's, it's just building that network more with, with those types of people, those successful types of people that, you know, maybe just walking down the street, you'd never get a chance to, to necessarily chat with them that way. But by, by doing this, you get to sit down and have a 30, 45 minute conversation with great people that, add to your life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, 
you know, when I first started the entrepreneurship show, you know, my, my only mission really when I started was like, I got to get Ed on the show, <laughs> you know, that was my, and then I was like, well, if I get Ed on the show, he's so good. Like I got to share this stuff out, you know? And so in 2019, he issued the Ed Milet Max Out Challenge. So he said you had to submit a one-minute story via your Instagrams to him, and you had to say in one minute what you're passionate about, what drives you to be successful, why do you want to be successful? And so I did that. I submitted a video. I'd never done that before. And then he kept posting all these things like, these are top runners, these are top leaders. And then about a month and a half in, he announced me and this other camp called Camp Agape as the winners of the Ed Max Out Challenge. That won me a phone call with Ed that was supposed to be 20 minutes. We ended up going 30 minutes, and it changed my life. Yeah. His attention to me during that call was so mind-blowing for his status and where he's at in life and how much money that he has. He shut off the whole world and was very intrigued into my story and how he could help me, and he did. He helped me not only just give me tips, but also said, man, I know people in town. You just go tell them that you're friends with Ed Milet because he used to have a house up here in Coeur d'Alene. And I was able to record that and release that as episode 12. Prior to that, I had Sean Whalen on my show, like episode six. And so having Sean and then Ed, that just opened up the doors to Tim's story and, you know, Ed, you know other guys that have been on. And so, uh, yeah, I've been blessed to speak to amazing guys. You know, Jim the Rookie Morris, the movie is based off his life, The Rookie. He's been on twice and his story is unbelievable. I mean, the, the movie is very G-rated compared to his actual childhood. and, and uh, But he's such a great dude and he's overcome so much in his life. Oh yeah. I mean, again, the, the similarities, my, my guy, my Ed, my led is, uh, my, the very first guest I had on the, when I started to show a gentleman named Dov Baron, and this is a guy, he's won all kinds of awards named top leadership guy by this magazine, nice. that magazine, you know, when we met the first time he had just come back, uh, from a entrepreneurship in, in Tehran from all places. Wow. Uh, he was there for two weeks, you know? Yeah. And, um, he put out a, very similar. He put out a call looking for a graphics artist. And I happened to work with a lady whose husband was a graphics artist. And I just sent him a message that said, Hey, I may know somebody. Um, how do we get in touch with you? Yeah. And he said, give me a call. And he gave me his number. So I gave him a call and it was the same thing. And he's like, so, you know, what do you do? I said, well, you know, I said, I know somebody, I'm not that somebody. He's like, oh, okay, well, what do you do? And we started talking about all this, and, and he gave me some of the best advice. You know, I try to keep it a little clean on the show for, uh, you know, so I don't have to put the explicit tag on podcast. Right. But I remember at the end of it, he says, so you told me you were a Marine. I'm like, well, no, I, I am a Marine. You never lose that title. He's like, okay, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he says, I say bullshit. Right. Like, Whoa, wait a minute, what? He goes, We've been talking this whole time and you haven't cussed one time. I've never talked to a Marine. I was like, well, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, respectful for what you do and all that good stuff. He goes, dude, that's your problem. Drop the edge. He goes, nobody's ever going to listen to you if you have the, if you have all of your edges rounded. They want to hear you, not what you're trying to be. Right. I was like, oh, shit, man. Yeah. That's powerful right there because. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but wow. it's those people, right? Again, it's those people in our lives and, and listeners that, you know, you, you've got here and you've heard us. We've been all over the place. And like I said, this is what I expected from this has been a great conversation. But, yeah, you know, there's these things through life that, that we have both, both of us have had these experiences that have led us from one stage to the next stage to the next stage. Yep. Yeah. 
And it's the same thing for the listeners here, right? You've got these moments or these moments are coming or you could be intentional about creating them and that's what's going to make you successful. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, another quote that I have on my wall that I, that I really just, it sits and it hits home so much for me is, you know, by doing what you love, you inspire and awaken the hearts of others. And for me, I love podcasting. I love talking with people. I'm fascinated with people's stories. And if I can continue to do that, hopefully share my story, you know, make an impact to one person through my story, maybe get somebody out of that rut. You know, that's, that's, that's a good day. You know, it's, then I can go on to the next day and try to do it again. Love it. Love it. So, uh, you know, you've turned all of this into kind of a speaking business as well, right? I did. Yeah. So I started speaking this year. I, I hadn't really taken it to the stage or before, but this year I've been blessed to, uh, I was a keynote speaker for an event out here called uh, Rise X out here in Idaho. It's an event for entrepreneurs. And then I did some training for some local insurance agents that had me come in and talk about, you know, connecting with referral partners and building those relationships and things like that. So, you know, that type of area, that type of stuff is really what I feel like that's been my expertise for the last 20 years. I did sales and, you know, so I did, I'm in customer success now and then doing podcasting, connecting with people. I love networking and connecting with people. So anytime that I can get in front of somebody and tell them, you know, a couple of tips that I learned throughout the, you know, 20 years of how to connect and referral people and, and build that network of people. I love doing that. So yeah, I love doing public speaking. And, you know, if I can get out there and share with youth groups or share with, uh, you know, any other groups that are out there on referral business or sales or anything like that, I, I love that opportunity. Mm. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, it shows, man, uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes since we're throwing around quotes is, uh, uh, Albert Einstein. He says, uh, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Right. And yeah. what I love about your what you can do here, right, is is you've broke all this down very easy, very digestible, very easy to follow, um, and and you've left it all out there, right? I mean, I think that's one thing I've loved about this conversation is I've never once felt like you're just you know like you've created this story to to create traction. Like this all is authentic. You can hear the emotion, you can hear what you went through, and that resonates with folks. And so you know, listeners listen to this podcast again and listen to what Eric has done and listen to the passion because that right there is that, that lightning in the bottle, if you will, you know, with, with networking, with sales, with, with finding success. If you can be that authentic and find your story and share it, no matter how dirty it is, yeah, somebody out there is going to need to hear it, going to latch onto it and you're going to unlock something for them. Yeah, it's huge, man. And I think you, you, you realize this, but like, you know, our, our past and other people's opinions do not define our future. Right. We can make a change at any point and we can decide to break the chains. We can continue to go through that. And yeah, it's going to take an idea and then take action, but we can decide to do that. We can decide to not let that, the past and people's opinions define who we are and what we're going to do in the future. And anybody that's out there that's struggling with that past, just know that you can make that change at any moment. And it's not going to be easy, but you have to surround yourself with the right folks to make that happen. And you can do it. hundred percent. 100%. Well, Eric, brother, if you can believe it, we've been chatting here for about 46 minutes or so, and this has just been fantastic conversation. Oh, it's been a great conversation, bro. <laughs> is, is there anything that we didn't touch on uh, that you want to uh, talk about before we get out of here? You know, no, man, I mean, we covered a whole gamut of stuff, man, and it's been awesome talking about, you know, reminiscing on wrestling and things like oh, that, yeah. dude. It was so good, dude. Uh, but I just, you know, I here's what I say to people is, look, there's two things out there in the world. Um, one, turn off the news and yes. two, just love people where they're at. 
Like I, it's not my job to judge anybody. So whether, whether they're a masker or a vaccination guy or not, right? Like, or sexual preference or president's preference. I don't care. My job is just to love them where they're at, man. And, and, and if we can do that, if people can just love people where they're at, man, the world would be so much better. Turn off the news and just love people where they're at. And, and that's my message, man. And, and hopefully people will take that to heart. I, I love it. That, that's that's where I'm at, too. Like, I always tell people, like, you know, there's I may not remember much about the Bible, but I do remember one very clear message, and it's it's not my place to judge. That's the yes. Lord's job. Totally. Yep. So I'll let him do his job, and I'm going to stay here and do mine. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly, man. It's so good. Uh, I love it. So, uh, okay, so listeners are probably chomping at the bit right now to find out more about top rated MMA, to find out more about the Eric Allen show and, and Eric Allen media and connect with you. What are some great ways for them to do that? Uh, Eric Allen media.com. It's E R I K A L L E N. Uh, Eric Allen media.com is the website. You can see all of my about stuff and see some testimonials and stuff on there. Uh, and then I'm big on Instagram. I love connect with people on Instagram because I, I post a lot of reels. I post a lot of stories. And so it's just Eric, E-R-I-K. Uh, G Allen is my Instagram page. And then from there, you can connect to either of my podcasts that I have listed on there as well. But yeah, Eric G Allen on Instagram. I respond to every comment, every DM. I love connect with new people. If you heard this on the show today, shoot me a DM and, and uh, let's connect. Absolutely. And I'll have those, uh, some links in the show notes so people can find you easier. The one thing on Eric's, uh, webpage that I really want you to check out, he's got a sponsors page on there. And what I love again about it is you, you love to support local and you love to support veterans. And those are two things that are near and dear to my heart as well. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to see some, some great sponsors that, that help Eric do what he does, go check out his sponsors page. And, uh, uh, you know, like honestly, I don't know how. Uh, but I, this this combat flags that you have here, I'm going to check them out. Uh, or I have been checking them out. I'm going to order some stuff. So your sponsors page is working just so they know. Uh, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't checked out Combat Flags, they're an amazing company. It's actually a one-man shop. It's by a guy named Dan Barai. And I had him on my show. If you just search Dan Barai on my YouTube channel there, but you'll find. And if you see any of the videos on YouTube of my show, both the flags that are behind me were donated from him to me uh, to support it, it, my show and the backdrop and stuff like that. But they do a really cool thing. He takes four by six flags that he hand sews from uniforms that are donated to him from servicemen and women. And then he puts them in a frame and he has a story about that person that donated that uniform. And then he sells those. And it's so cool to, to see what he does. And he's raised well over six figures to uh, stop soldier suicide organization and just really changing the world with this organization out there. Yeah, no, I love it. it he reminds me a lot of, uh, I had a gentleman on here quite a few episodes back, Corey Schaffer uh, of Till Valhalla Project. Oh, nice. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's done a lot of good with that. And, and what I love about it, the, these stories here, and, and we're wrapping up here, uh, but is is it, it talks about priority, right? Because a lot of people see these things like, um, you know, the selling the flag or in Corey's case, selling shirts is that's their business. And I guarantee it's the same thing with, uh, uh the gentleman you just mentioned, uh, their purpose isn't selling the flags. It's, it's trying to end veteran suicide. Exactly. The yeah. flags just facilitate that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I love it. I love it. Um, man, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate having you on here. Thank you for having the conversation with me. Oh, man, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a great, great conversation. Great chat with you, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. And listeners, I know you've loved it. Uh, make sure that you reach out. Go 
uh, rate and uh, subscribe to Top Rated MMA and the Eric Allen Show. You know how important it is for me, and you all do a great job for that. Show him some love, too, on his products and, and help him out over there. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns for me, you can reach out at burden.command at gmail.com. Guest ideas, whatever it is, as we saw on this podcast, I take those guest ideas. Uh, I'd love to have you on for that. Um, but again, I appreciate you all. Thank you all for being a part of this conversation with us. Make sure you share some feedback with us on social media as, as you've listened to this. And uh, just really look forward to talking with you all again in the next episode. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electric acid.